Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. On the podcast this week, we have an extra special guest in Mark Frank, CEO and co-founder of Sondermind. Sondermind is one of Denver's newest tech unicorns after raising $150 million in July of 2021 and is on a mission to democratize behavioral health care for both patients and practitioners. Mark has an incredible background, having started three other successful ventures prior to founding Sondermind in 2015. He also had experience as an investment banker and an officer in the U.S. Army. It seems like there's nothing this guy hasn't done. Mark is a huge asset for the Colorado tech ecosystem and is an active angel investor in local companies, including co-investing with us recently in Nomad based in Denver. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Love to hear a little bit about what you're up to with Sondermind and the entrepreneurial journey that got you to this point. Yeah, so if there's enough content about Sondermind out there, I'll leave the, the very, very brief overview, which is what Sondermind is, is a high quality technology enabled behavioral health provider. So what that jumble of words means is we, we let individuals who are seeking mental health care access the right therapist for them, utilizing their, their insurance benefits. So not having to pay fully out of pocket and finding the right person for them, both on the way that they engage in care and what their personal needs are, as well as uh, the modality that works for them. So whether it's video, in person, a combination thereof. And then on the therapist side, we really provide them with all the tools, sort of business, clinical, et cetera, uh, built under our umbrella to ensure that they can deliver the highest quality care and just focus on that as opposed to focusing on building the business. And that's enabled us to grow pretty rapidly over the past four and a half years. We're now operating in 12 states. We operate with every major insurance plan in the country, including Medicare, and uh, we have almost 3,000 therapists under our umbrella at this point. That's fantastic. What was the journey that, that got you to start Sondermine? What were you up to before and, and how'd you get to uh, the idea to start the company? You know, my professional, I started in the army um, after undergrad and, and I served for five years as an officer in the 4th Infantry Division uh, down at Fort Carson in Colorado Springs, except for the year in Iraq, obviously. And then, uh, and then headed off to business school out of state. And then I did investment banking for a couple of years doing healthcare mergers and acquisitions with Morgan Stanley. And so, you know, did, did like a bunch of stuff. I was really interested in healthcare. My, my ex-wife was a nurse, had become a nurse practitioner. I had seen kind of healthcare through her eyes. But after a couple of years of banking, you know, where you're really operating at like the 30,000 foot level, I decided I want to get back to leading people. I mean, that's why I went, you know, to West Point, went to the army in the first place was to lead organizations, lead people. And I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, you know, I've, I've had kind of small, smaller businesses. Like when I was in the army, I got a real estate license that I, I still keep active actually in Colorado uh, on the side and, and other things like that. So I moved back to Colorado in 2009 and I started my first company, which was a healthcare services company, effectively an oncology business. We were treating patients with brain tumor, lung cancer, prostate cancer with a, a fairly novel radiation therapy. And, uh, and I grew that over about a six year time period in really strong cash flows, you know, 30, 40% EBITDA margins on, you know, close to 10 million of revenue. And ultimately sold it in uh, in 2015, and and there were a couple other companies mixed in there that I did as side projects. One of which I sold to a personal health worker company that was a pure technology platform for medical imaging data, 
it was a third company for which I was the, uh, not the CEO, but I was one of the co-founders and COO it was a data company, not in healthcare, so sales intelligence. And, uh, and then Sondermind really came about from a set of personal experiences as a lot of founders can, can relate to. So I was operating in healthcare. I knew that the Parity Act had been passed, which what that did in, in 2009 and 2010 was basically made uh, at par your mental health benefits with your insurance company the same as your physical health benefits. So no longer could insurance companies limit the amount of mental health care that you could receive or, or the fact that you could receive it at all. So I wanted to find a therapist for some family issues we were having and went on the insurance directory and I tried to navigate the system and try to find a therapist. You know, first, anybody who actually took the insurance and there was a big list of people and you call the first one and they don't answer. And then second, when you when you finally get a hold of somebody, you know, you keep calling them over and over, you call different ones, uh, they would say, I'm not actually taking insurance anymore, or they would say, I'm not taking new clients anymore, or uh, I don't deal with those issues that you're dealing with, or I don't see men, or I don't see couples, or whatever the case may be. And so that was really surprising to me how difficult it was. Beyond that, once I finally found somebody, which took months, I mean, it was not something that I was like, you know, oh, after after a couple of tries, then I got there. Uh, literally, it took two or three months. And and besides, kind of that, that challenge of getting in getting into therapy in the first place, uh, it then became readily apparent how poor the consumer experience was. And so, from that lens, I thought, well, why you know why hasn't this really been fixed? You know, I thought maybe this was just a Colorado thing. Maybe you know it was it was fixed on the coast or something like that. And this was back in 2012, you know, 2012 2013 timeframe. And so that was one set of the of the equation. The other side was my younger sister is a therapist. She's a licensed professional counselor. So I'd seen her journey in going from undergrad to then getting her master's, to then working in an employed setting as a, as a therapist for a number of years, building up some real clinical expertise in a, in a variety of areas, and then going into private practice, which was her goal in the first place for joining this profession, uh, was to really be able to operate uh, kind of at a you know, at an individual level, um, and, and really to be able to control her lifestyle. It was as much a lifestyle choice as it was a career choice. And she just struggled with all the things in running her practice and getting it started and finding clients. You know, she couldn't get a network with the insurance companies. And, uh, and I thought, wow, there's, you know, th there's a real opportunity here to solve these problems for the therapists. And by doing so, uh, particularly using technology where we, we create the whole underlying uh, infrastructure, we can then solve that problem for the individual consumer or the client. And as we then do that in one closed, one closed loop system, what that does is it gives us the ability to capture an immense amount of data that we can use in order to really improve care, right? So we, we capture functional assessments and, and depression scoring and anxiety scoring and things like that. And we loop that back into the therapist and put that back in their hands so that they can provide better care and so that we can understand, hey, which therapists are actually good at which issues, which are good with which demographics, and that informs the matching algorithm and how we get you to the right therapist. Thanks for that deep dive into that. And it sounds like it's been quite a, an exciting journey of a few different ventures and all the ventures uh, most recently here in Colorado, which leads to the next question. You know, as someone who's been in the ecosystem for 10, 12 plus years here, how have you seen the tech ecosystem evolve? over that time and what's different now versus when you started your first company here? It's really interesting. I mean, when I started my first company, I, so I had I had one outside investor, it was not an institutional investor. 
And, and that was a services company. Uh, it was healthcare services. So that was, I wasn't even accessing the ecosystem the way that, you know, I think most listeners to, to the podcast are, are, are thinking of, you know, where you're going to raise VC money and things like that. But the second business, Safe Image MD, which was the side project that we did not raise outside capital for, we did explore raising capital. And so that, you know, that, that's a big part of the ecosystem. And I think, and I think at the time, you know, this was like 2010, 2011, it was really, really limited. I mean, there were not very many investors, you know, focused on the space, certainly locally, even nationally. When you would go to San Francisco, when you'd go to New York, when you'd go to Boston, um, people would kind of look at you funny when you said you were, you know, running a, a VC backable business in Denver or in Colorado. And that really has changed materially. And I think that that's been driven by obviously the, the quality of companies that have really come out over the last 10 years within this market. But more so, I think it's been driven by, by the way that our ecosystem functions in Colorado. We're the feedback that I get, and I don't have a lot of comparators to actually say that it's better or worse. So I'm, I'm sort of piggybacking off of other people. But when people move here, when entrepreneurs move here, particularly those who have been involved in whatever ecosystem that they may have come from startup ecosystem that come from, let's say on the coast. But what is impressed upon them, it seems like, uh, and what I've heard is, wow, people are really open. People are really willing to kind of like take 10 minutes, take 30 minutes to just sit down and speak. Uh, and maybe that sit down isn't actually a sit down. It might be, hey, let's like hop on a mountain bike and talk while we're bombing down the hill or let's, you know, strap on some skis and, and get up to the mountains and, and have kind of the meeting you know, that way. And, and that's when we'll, we'll chat a little bit. Regardless, it's a very open ecosystem where we're, you know, I, I think as entrepreneurs um, and advisors across, you know, kind of across the whole spectrum, we're willing to really open our arms and, and invite new people in. And, uh, and that speaks a lot to how you build strong cultures, both within the market as well as within, uh, within the companies. Yeah, Mark, as someone who's new to the ecosystem, you know, moved here just about two years ago, I would 100% agree with what you just said. The welcomeness of people to bring you into the ecosystem to meet with you. And I think interesting ideas and interesting companies come when you have sort of those meetings of people from different backgrounds and different companies. And I, I'm really excited to see what that type of culture continues to produce going forward. Yeah. And Mark, I think the other piece is, you know, to this ecosystem succeeding, we need entrepreneurs like you, right, that are having success, that are getting great experience, that are really willing and interested to go back into the ecosystem and mentor that next generation. So really appreciate that you're that you're excited about doing that. Okay. To that end, w- one question that, that we had, we ask all our guests is, what's another company here, not Sondermind, that you are particularly excited about in the local ecosystem? So one is uh, Havenly is, and, and I, I, it's, it's actually not, it's not small anymore. I'm actually, you know, I'm probably the least design oriented person uh that you're going to need but i've been a, i've been a customer before moreover uh the ceo and founder lee uh mayor is a, is a great friend and just building another outstanding company here in colorado on the smaller side of the spectrum a company that i recently participated in their um i think it was their series a was, was nomad and really disrupting and, and providing a, a model around i think first around rentals for home rentals and, and not Airbnb, not, not, not short term, but more like long term. Really like what they're doing. Think that, that it's a great team and, uh, and excited about what they're building here. 
Cool. Well, we're, we're obviously also huge fans of Nomad, so appreciate yeah. the shout out on that. Uh, so now jumping into you know, why we're here, Mark, we'd love to hear what the biggest lesson is you've learned in the course of your entrepreneurial journey and a few examples of, of how you got there and how you learned it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. I think it's something that I love the format of this of this podcast because you're able to you're able to really glean some some unique insights from your guests. I don't know how unique mine is or how valuable it'll be, but I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway, which is, you know, as I was thinking about this, could go one of two ways, right? One would be much more tactical and sort of think about, okay, here's this one thing that is really big sort of tactical lesson. I, I struggled to find that other than like, don't run out of money, right? Like that's kind of like the tactical one. I mean, the, the, the amount of times that Sondermine was very close to running out of money, I, I, I don't have enough fingers in my hands to, to count on. So that, that's that one, I think. But more more interesting to me as a listener would be, I think, those things that are slightly more philosophical. And so to that end, you know, the lesson that I've really learned over the past 10, 11 years, 12 years, but it's really not been through the, the entire journey. It's more been in retrospect, you know, probably over the last six or seven years, has been this fact that this is a journey. And, and being an entrepreneur and building a company, it's a long endeavor. Right. It's not something that you do for two or three years, typically. I mean, you know, once in a while, you, you hear these folks who they start a company and then they sell it in two or three years and then they kind of go relax on the beach. That'd be actually my own form of personal hell because I just I wouldn't like not doing anything. And I actually think most entrepreneurs that I know are, are the same way. So I, I think that that's a pretty rare story. What I learned from my in my first company. And so I built this company up after about three years. It was a, it was really cash flowing well. And I was able actually to, to focus on some, some other growth initiatives for the company that the company actually still operates. It's, it's, uh, well, Next Oncology was the sort of management company around it, but the facility called Inova Cancer Care still, still treats patients, you know, the, the buyers have continued to operate it well. But, but by about the third year, third or fourth year, I had really gotten to a point where it was, it was running well. My day to day involvement was not that high. And so I was able to focus on some other things that were like, you know, thinking about how I would expand to some other markets and also started working on some of these other companies. And so, uh, you know, I started thinking really and ideating around Sondermind at that time. I was, I was working on a couple of other projects and I was doing some mentoring. When I sold the business for whatever reason, like, like a year later, so the year from sale, which was in, in summer of 2015 to the following year, I was really, really busy. I was still operating on the side, Safe Image MD. Uh, I had, was working full time on Sondermind. I was winding down with another company that was involved in. I was doing a fair amount of mentoring. I was doing a fair amount of uh, angel investing. I have three kids that you know, at that point in time were, you know, in, in sort of the throes of like busyness. You know, the ages like four to four to seven, and and so I was. It wasn't this scenario where sometimes a founder will sell or a CEO will, will kind of like sell a company and then move move out of the way. And then you're sort of bored because you're like, what do I do next? That was not the case. Like I was not bored and I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which was run Sondermine. But I still felt this pit that was kind of like, why do I feel like something is missing? Like, why don't I feel satiated? You know, I had had this outcome for uh, selling Nice Oncology that was immensely better than what, you know, my, my upside scenario was when I had done my financial model when I first started the company, I was, I was coming out of banking, right? And so I didn't understand. And it really took me a while to figure out this to, and really to learn this lesson that I had been told hundreds of times. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't hear it, I actually just would not hear it, which was 
it is really about the journey. Like it's not about the destination. Like I had reached the destination beyond what I thought the best destination would be from an outcome standpoint with the sale of my first company. And yet I still was like, that wasn't that, like that, that, that wasn't, that didn't like give me sort of the, I don't want to say closure, but it didn't like say, okay, now I just feel like everything is good. In fact, I felt the opposite. I was sort of like, I missed back, you know, a few years ago when it was a little bit hairier and things were kind of crazier. And so it took me a while to really figure that out. And, and I, again, I, I've been told this by many other people. So what I, what I would hope is that the listeners take this and don't sort of do the thing that I did, which is, yeah, 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 great. You can say that because you've had some success or you can say that because you're different than me and I'm really focused on the outcome. Like that was me. I was sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I'm focused on the outcome though. Like it's about the result. It's not about the thing that you get there. And the framing is like, that I think is, is maybe a more helpful one that would have been explained to me is, okay, great. Like you can still focus on the outcome. That's important. Like you should be objective driven, but you're in a highly risky endeavor right now, right? Like for, for your life, like you're going to spend five, 10, 15 years of something that if you're so weighted toward what is the thing going to be at the end of that time period, two things are at risk. One, it might actually not happen, in which case, if you're not in, I want to say always enjoying, but like, if you're not getting value out of actually the stuff that you're doing on, on that journey, then you're going to, you're going to lose twice, right? You're going to lose because you didn't achieve the objective and you're going to lose because the time you spent wasn't value add to you personally. Versus if you can make it value add, that actually gives you a win no matter what. But I guess the other point is then by doing so, that effectively like hedges your position. Right. We're like, no, no matter what I will get, I'll walk away with a, with a pretty good outcome. The second piece of that is that you end up learning. Right. And that, you know, I, I'd say for most entrepreneurs, learning and growing is like the primary driver. Maybe I'm just projecting, but I'll say for me, then learning and, and growing is one of my biggest drivers in life. And if I am learning and growing personally and professionally, during the journey, then the outcome is a little bit immaterial, right? Then I can actually say like, Hey, this is, this is the outcome I'm looking for is growth and is personal, you know, personal growth and, and, and becoming a better human. If I can know that I'm focused on those things, hopefully the rest comes. But if it doesn't, then I've at least achieved that because, you know, we only get one of these things to live as, as far as I know. Yep. So Mark, uh, sounds like a, a really important lesson when you sort of have to live through, I think, potentially to learn. And it might be different for everyone, but what are some things that that you are doing tactically um, as part of the Sondermine journey that that help make building Sondermine that way for you? How that lesson manifests is in a variety of ways. One is it freed me up to be much more authentic with how I operate with you know with with, with my company, right? So with everybody involved with it, how I operate with my executive team members, my co-founder, with my board, with all of our employees, um, even with our customers, right? Which is, I know what my values are. I know what we are or aiming toward is a, is a positive thing in this world. Like our, our, our vision is to, you know, our, our true vision in the company is to make the world healthier through improved mental wellness and well-being. And, and the way we're doing that is by redesigning mental and behavioral health through improved access and utilization and clinical outcomes with this real strong focus on improving outcomes. And so those two things drive everything that I do in the business. And so 
this lesson of like, okay, now how do, how do I take the fact that I'm operating in the moment, right? I'm not saying like, if what we, you know, what we want to achieve is within five years, we're a billion dollar revenue company that we were the clear leader and highest quality provider in the country, in the space. You know, there's some very clear objectives that we want to achieve, but along the way, it means, well, we can set values that are ones that I am 100% aligned with, as opposed to sort of trying to pick things here and there. It means that the way that I engage and I want to engage with my team members is very honestly, especially like, let's take our executive team. Like we have a very, very tight knit executive team. Even, even folks, you know, a couple of our executives are, are new to the team within the last year. Our chief data officer is new in the last two or three months via acquisition. And, you know, within short order, we re- I mean, I really look to build long-term, lifelong relationships that are going to extend well beyond this company. And so what that means is we're going to do things that lead toward that because that's part of, in my mind, that's part of that journey. So what are some of those things we do? Like we, we engage together, obviously professionally a lot, you know, weekly, you know, bi-weekly meetings, things like that. But when we get together in person, we spend a lot of time, I would say some would view it as like unproductive time where we're not like working on a specific business problem. We're just enjoying each company. We're, we're just learning more about each other personally. And we're there to support one another, you know, and not, not just professionally, but personally as well. That's one way that in my mind is kind of optimizing for the journey. And what has actually happened is that it makes us more cohesive and better functioning executive team. So I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because I was like, I just want to have like a tighter relationship with my peers and coworkers because I spend so much time with them. Uh, but what it, what it's resulted in is that, and then functionally, has actually made it so that we can solve problems more effectively so that we can address issues that are that are happening operating within the team in a very honest manner and so it's actually back to that kind of like you get two wins instead of one right like i get the win of like no matter what i've built and we are building relationships that are going to last a life lifetime and we actually happen to be a more functioning executive team than we would be otherwise mark those are those are awesome ways to implement and definitely Sounds like uh, you've created Sondermine really to succeed across all dimensions. What I think is really interesting, the construct you talked about is when you're optimizing for the journey, you're making sure that you win no matter what, right? And I think that's a really, really powerful statement. It's actually something that we look for, not just in um, where you're going to work or start a company. We look for that in our investments. We think about certainly, you know, we make an investment when we think there's going to be potential for a really big company created or a great investment outcome. But it's also got to be a founder that we enjoy working with. It's got to be a company or industry or problem that's also interesting, right? So we mm-hmm. feel like we can't lose no matter what. So I think that lesson applies really in life across every dimension. Oh, totally agree. Yeah, it's not just it's not just for startups or, or for entrepreneurs or, or for CEOs. You know, you can apply it at any. It, it can be applied into you know into in your personal relationships, right? It's like it's just it's really just being deliberate about what it is you're trying you're trying to achieve but the achieve it doesn't need to be the end of something i mean i think a lot of racers and a lot i mean i i don't i'm not like a a big marathoner or triathlete or anything like that so this is more just speaking from from others uh others points of view but you know when i talk to friends of mine who let's say you know they're, they're really into into running the marathon i'm like why do you keep doing it like they'll finish their marathon and the next you know the very next day while they're 
you know, resting, resting their beat up feet. They're sitting there going, okay, I just booked my next one. I'm like, well, why'd you do that? <laughs> like, what was the, you've already like, you've already achieved it. Like you already did the race. They're like, well, I got to start, I want to start training again. So what, you know, it often ends up being is that like, they actually enjoy the training more than the race itself. Like the race is great and finishing the race is even better, but more than the, more than the race, certainly more than the finishing of the race is the training and the dedication and the commitment that goes into that. And I think that that, you know, again, this, this, that's the same kind of lesson, right? It's like, it's really the lead up to the thing, uh, that is the value and the thing itself is great, but it's fleeting. So you have to try to optimize for the, you know, that portion of your life that's going to be just cumulative, just going to be a bigger chunk. Let's say your goal is you want to like IPO the company. Great. Well, then the, you're going to ring the bell and then you're going to achieve it. And then the next day, you know what you're doing? Now you're operating a public company. Like, so now you better like, hopefully you think that operating a public company is, is one of your goals and you want to do that for a longer time, not just like getting to the IPO as an example. Like, because if you don't, then you're, you're optimizing for the wrong thing. You're not actually living and getting the win out of everything that led up to that in, in the fullest fashion that you could. 100%. 100%. Mark, thanks so much. This is a fantastic lesson. How can our uh, listeners follow what you're up to with Sonderman? Uh, so follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's, you know, LinkedIn slash MarkDFrank1. Or on Twitter, handles at MarkDFrank. And then at Sondermind, so at, at Sondermind on Twitter, as well as on uh, on LinkedIn or Sondermind.com. That's spelled S-O-N-D-E-R-M-I-N-D. Mark, thanks again for your time. Looking forward to seeing what you guys end up creating with Sondermind. 